0: Charisma, is it something you're born with or can you learn to become charismatic? Find out how on the Stand Out Get Noticed podcast. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to episode 291 of Stand Out Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantors, communication skills trainer, speaker, and MC. Today, I am absolutely thrilled to share with you this conversation I had with Chris Morsley on what it means to be charismatic and how it can help you become more influential as a leader. Now, this episode is for you even if you don't think you are naturally charismatic. Chris is an executive coach who works with people from large multinational companies Olympic athletes and public figures on how to increase charisma and command attention. Chris was also a very successful professional actor for 10 years, which is why I wanted to also grill him on the skills we can learn from actors to make us better presenters on stage. Show notes will be at thecmethod.com 291. Enjoy this one with Chris Morsley.
1: Acting for me is a fairly deep thing. If you think of, um, method in terms of acting, what you're doing when you play a character is you're actually finding that character in yourself. And this points to something I'd really want to talk about at some point today is, is that, that there is a kind of unlimited potential within you. And that's why we can play all these characters because we can be any, any of them, you know, if we, depending on how we, what we choose to do in our lives. So. There's also that access to emotion. So you've got storytelling, you've got the the physical and vocal aspect of having presence and charisma or whatever it might be. There's also that that ability to manage emotion in yourself. And and ultimately that translates um in in a business world the, the your key your absolutely key skill is to manage mood in yourself and others.
0: So, can you give me an example of like a role that you played where you had to really dig deep to manage that emotion?
1: Yeah, uh, I played uh, Macbeth, and uh, on stage in Sydney, a fairly big production, and it was it was my most difficult thing to come out of. So I, I was I was, <laughs> I was I was only twenty four or something, but I was married at the time, which probably did a, a little bit of a mistake. But anyway, I was. Uh, I was playing the character, and I had had a big. We used real swords in the in the sword fight, so I had a, a broadsword that came up to my chin, like this very heavy sword, and I had to practice swinging. I had to practice. I've I'd, I'd done sword fighting for several years, and you know, and fencing and things like that, so I knew how to. Use the sword as you do, but as you oh, you, you actually <laughs> learn that at night. As an actor, you, you learn learn sword fighting. But I know, it's, of
0: course, when you play Macbeth, yeah.
1: And so you really have,
0: <laughs> everyone plays Macbeth at the Sunday yeah. You
1: actually really, oh, it was such an incredible opportunity to play that role. I mean, such a yeah. such an amazing role and the character. I mean, he kills the king. He kills the king in his own castle, right? So I playing with this sword, practicing I every single day, you know, swinging this sword. And, and I'm also saying the lines and thinking about the character and walking and talking like the character, then swinging the sword. And the physicality of, of – um, the, the powerful physicality of that got so deep within me that the character I, – I, I kind of became a character like Macbeth. I mean, I didn't go around killing anyone. But I, I had his coldness, his, his ambition, his drive – his, his, uh, you know, ability to be influenced by mystical ideas, his, it just did this whole character of him. So by the end of the production, my, my wife at the time said, you know, you've changed. You're usually a funny and, you know, you, you've, you've changed. You've become kind of a cold person. And I, I looked wow. at myself and went, oh yeah, God, I have. And I had to exercise that character, exorcise that character out wow. of me. I really did. And it wasn't. So the point is, I wasn't playing Macbeth. I found me if I'd grown up in his shoes and had his experiences. Right? And so this is what it's all about, you know, when it comes to being human, in even in a work environment, is that you have so much potential and choice. Actually, can I tell a story about it? In fact, let me, tell you Absolutely. So, let me tell you a story about Charisma and another actor. Yeah. I'm going to name drop once. And it's not hard to name drop when you're an actor in Sydney, in Australia, because you know everybody. And so I, I had the opportunity to work with Russell Crowe. At one point, and And it was on a script. Good name job. Yeah, it is a good name job. <laughs> um, <so, laughs> good job. Yeah, so uh, the opportunity once well, to walk across Russell Crowe. So, so Russell and I go down to the, the pub in Bondi Junction and we decide to play a game of, of pool. Now, as I'm walking down there with this superstar, people don't say hello to Russell. Uh, they don't come up to him. Mean, probably do eventually, but not on this occasion. They don't come up to him. I think part of the reason is because he's a fairly introverted character, which which I... Too. I mean a lot of actors are surprisingly. Anyway, he's he's introverted. He looks kind of cranky. He doesn't look like and when he's not working, he's usually got a big beard and I don't know, he just doesn't look like the sort of person you want to talk to. <laughs> and we're playing pool. Right. So I remember this so clearly. I'm I'm leaning against the door. He's got a beer on the pool table and he's taking his shot, and I'm thinking about charisma. I'm actually thinking about charisma. And I'm thinking what how we how to be charismatic, you know, as an actor. Anyway, I'm looking at him. One of the best actors in the world. One of the most charismatic people in the world. And he has no charisma. I'm looking at Russell Crowe and this guy has no charisma. Zero. If you, if you didn't know it was Russell Crowe, You'd he'd almost have negative charisma. You'd you'd completely forget him. He would have been a fantastic spy. The guy just just disappears. I really like him. He's a lovely guy, but he's not got charisma. But
0: what about when you're talking to him like one on one? Does he still have no charisma? Oh, it's,
1: it's just no. He's just a really he's just a really good nice guy. Now let me let me give you a a, a different scenario. Okay, let's say you you're an executive producer. You've got your team. Uh, you know, director, and you've got people helping you with the videography, and you're, you're in the audition room, and you're 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 talking to lead actors. And in that scenario, let's let's imagine Russell Crowe in that situation. So he walks in the door, and the room shines, the atmosphere changes when he when he walks in the door. Everybody feels different. He, his presence completely fills the room, and it's a warmth. It's a warmth. And he will meet every single person in the room. He won't miss anybody. He'll look you in the eye. He'll shake your hand. He'll forge a quick personal relationship with you. And and when he speaks with his deep resonant voice, he speaks, you listen. You listen because he speaks with conviction. And wh- when Russell Crowe is on set as leading man, you need to be a leader as leading man or, or woman or you know, because everybody sort of takes their cues from you in a way. And it, as a leader, Russell Crowe, as, as an actor on set, Russell Crowe creates a kind of I'll follow you anywhere loyalty. This guy is a good leader. And not only that, like other leaders I've met, like, so for example, John Chambers Cisco Systems, who's was a great charismatic leader, he, he, he has a kind of an aura of warmth and authenticity mm. with everyone from that from the person at the front desk to the CEO. Now, then we ask ourselves the question, what is charisma? Who or who? First of all, we ask ourselves, who's Russell Crowe? Because is he the guy in the pool hall or is he the guy in the audition room? And my answer is, he's everything. He's anything. Russell Crowe, like you and like me, like everybody listening to this podcast right now, is pure potential. And I don't mean that in a in a mystical way. I mean that in an incredibly practical way. You can choose every step you take in life. You can choose every single step, how hard you step, how strongly you step, which direction you step, what emotion you have when you take that step. You are choice. So ultimately, if there's one big insight that I've found from being a coach and and coaching people who are not actors... People from all walks of life is that charisma is not a gift. Charisma is a choice. It's a choice, and we can all choose to be charismatic. Uh, uh, It's not an, it's not necessarily an easy choice, but it's a choice.
0: Is it, would you see it as a skill that you can learn?
1: Absolutely. It's a skill you can learn. I've, I've worked with people who've become charismatic. And I, I'm not going to tell you now that I just, you know, I, I meet a person and they go from zero to hero <laughs> every single time because you and you and I both know as a coach, you're working with if you're working with people who really want to change, you have a sense of humility and willingness to to take direction and learn, a willingness to look foolish. Uh, they will learn hugely. They they will they they'll even if you're not a great coach, they'll they'll suck the learning out of you and they'll become become something so we don't we aren't always successful but i have worked with many people over the years who have become success uh, become charismatic
0: mm, i guess it starts with that belief that it is possible for you and that you have potential to become charismatic
1: it's yeah i think it's partly a belief and it's partly you being that person being ready they're at a crossroads mm. do do you want a story on that
0: Yes, absolutely. So
1: I, I meet I meet Igor. Now Igor is a senior director in a large IT company. The thing with Igor is that I'm, he's you, you meet him and he talks like this. He, he's actually sort of got a Germanic background, and he actually talks exactly like the Terminator. You know, if you're you're a partner in the business and you you, are, you asked him a question that he couldn't answer, he'd say, "I'll be back." I wouldn't be surprised if he'd say it like that. (laughs) So I I meet Igor and I think this guy has no expression on his face. He doesn't move. His hands don't move. When he presents, he's completely wooden and his voice is completely flat. So I start talking, you know, I I, I start thinking, well, where are we going to go? I need to find within him uh, some expression. And so I asked him a little bit about his, his life and I find out, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm by no means a psychologist, but sometimes you, you do need to find out about a person's life and, you know, where they've been. And he said, I used, to be, uh, I used to be an extrovert. I mean, I used to be like royal, not necessarily an extrovert, really expressive when I was a mm. kid. And then my parents, um, you know, told me that I had to behave properly. And so he shut down. He bas- this, so this guy basically shut down mm. and he's always felt like he wasn't himself. And so, I took him through a process of learning, which is, you know, based on storytelling. And and storytelling is is we hear a lot about storytelling in terms of the narrative, you know, the Joseph Campbell type thing, where you you have the hero's story, and, and that's the narrative of storytelling. But actually, storytelling, the real power of storytelling, is the emotional journey you take the audience on. So I got him telling lots of stories. And telling me stories and learning about storytelling and understanding how to take people on this emotional journey, and and the more creative we got, the more he he wanted to be creative. It was really he was ready to open up and and become more creative. Uh, and so he started transforming over the nine months we worked. He started transforming until at the end you would not recognise him. It was him, but it was the true him. Right? He got his his promotion. Uh, and it was a great success and he became this expressive, creative guy. And, and I'll give you an example of, of, of what he ended up doing in the end. So he, his team was having a tough quarter and, uh, he, he had to motivate his team to achieve their goals in the, in the next quarter. So he spent five to six weeks learning how to paint oil painting. He said, I just want to be able to paint one portrait. So, um, he um every day, he was like this madman in his garage. Every day, he's, you know, his wife says, what are you doing? I'm working on my presentation. Actually, what he was doing was painting the same portrait over and over and over again. He had canvases everywhere. For six weeks, he was painting this portrait. I, like an obsessive man, obsessive. So, finally, he gets up on stage. There's a few hundred people there. And he starts talking about work. And he says... You know, you turn up to work and you, you endure it in many ways. You know, you it's it's tough. And, and But every little thing you do makes a difference. Whether you're just enduring work or you're excited about work or you're a huge contributor at work, and all of us are the, all of those things at, at all times. But everything you do at work paints up is like a brushstroke on the canvas. And he's got this big canvas on stage and he's got a black paintbrush. And he says, like a brushstroke. And as he talks through this presentation, he's making brushstroke after brushstroke. And, oh, wow. brush and there's another brushstroke and there's another brushstroke. And and eventually there's this mass of brushstrokes. And he says that as you do things every day, we don't see the big picture. We just see every day. And so we're making brushstrokes that if you step back and looked at it, it would it might look like a mess. It might look like a mess of brush strokes. But actually, if you keep part of your mind on the big vision and where you're going, something worthwhile, something that you care about, that big vision, then eventually the picture will come to life. The end of the quarter, you're going to see what you've done and you'll see the picture you've painted. And he does one more brushstroke. He turns the painting upside down and it's a perfect portrait of Brian, the VP. Oh, a wow. perfect portrait, <laughs> and and the audience goes. The audience just like breathes it in and goes. Oh, they they were seeing this mess, and then they see this vision of amounts uh, uh, coming from the canvas, and then there's this huge applause. And you know the the presentation was not about you must do these. You know, here's the PowerPoint slides of what you must do to be successful over this next quarter, and mm-hmm. this is what our expectations are. You are are of you. He empathised with them. He showed compassion. He understood them. And so most of the actual presentation was about understanding the people he's talking to. And in the end, it was creative and emotional and powerful.
0: It takes a lot of courage to do something like what Igor did. And I appreciate you sharing that uh, it's a wonderful story, uh, you know, for someone who's thinking that they would love to be more creative with how they communicate and how they present and, and inspire people. And I suspect that a lot of people will face some internal resistance like, oh no, no one's ever done that before. Or what if it doesn't work? Or, um, you know, it's just this fear of putting themselves out there and, and it not working. What, what would you say to those people?
1: Uh, you you do have to be brave because there's a contagion in in the cult, business culture that has everyone swimming down the the middle channel. That that you can't do a presentation without PowerPoint is is one classic thing, um, and and it's really hard for you to stick your head above that water of that channel and go. I'm going to be different, but in fact, most people I talk to who are chairmen, CEOs, and I I'm I don't I'm not kidding you, most of them say. Oh, my God, here's another PowerPoint uh, presentation. Here's another person trying to be all formal with me. I was speaking to Rob Scott, who runs West Farmers. I was sitting down with Rob Scott and said, what do you want from your GMs when they speak to you? He said, I want their personality. I want them to be real. I want them to actually just have a laugh with me. I want them to drop this formal thing and have a laugh with me and relax. And then I don't want them to go into so much detail and do this PowerPoint slide presentation to me. I want them to be strategic, think strategic and say, okay, here's the big picture. This is what leaders want from you. They want you to understand the big picture. They want you to understand the why. And then they want you to understand the simple steps you're going to take to deliver. Whether you do that with PowerPoint slides or not, it's about delivering on the pain.
0: They have. Mm, It's interesting hearing you say that there are these people who run these companies and they want people to bring their personalities out, yet it's so hard for people to to do that. And I know that there are things that we can do as individuals to work on ourselves and to be courageous to bring that out. But do you think that there's a level of environmental factors, uh, you know, that, that is com- contributing to this difficulty that people have to be more real?
1: Uh, yes. Like sometimes you've got a, a boss that is just so clamps you down and, 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 and makes it difficult. But you, you've got a choice then. You, you either need to leave or push through and survive, learn to survive a boss like that. And if you learn to survive a boss like that, you're going to be better off. You're going to be more resilient down the track. So actually, no, let me give you a really simple way to express yourself at work, okay, and to become more expressive and creative. It is a really simple way. Let's say you have a presentation. Instead of sitting down and working out your PowerPoint slides, the first thing you do is you stand in a room, close the door, make sure no one can hear you, and you imagine the audience sitting there. And it's really important that you daydream for a while. You just imagine the audience sitting there. Then what you do is you start where the energy is. Right, You don't start at the beginning because that's your linear mind taking over and sort of telling you what you should do or what your expectations are in this very linear business world. Forget that because what an actor or comedian will do or someone coming up with a story, they will start where the energy is. So you start with the energy. Start talking where your energy is on this subject.
0: So, Chris, when you say your energy uh, yep. I mean let's say that I've I've got a presentation on you know what we're doing in this product development part of the business and I'm presenting yep. this new product that we're working on yep. where might my energy be within that particular presentation So
1: your energy might be in either the the particular internal aspect of developing that product it might your energy might be in talking about how you discovered what that that solution from Having a a session and meeting or co-creation with your customer or client. Okay. Right. It could be, so it could be anywhere along the journey of that, that product being, being. Oh, so
0: it's like the bit you're excited about, the bit that gets you really excited.
1: Literally the bit you're excited about and the bit you probably know most about. Sure. So you just start talking from that safe place, okay? So then you and, – and the visualization is important because if you visualize and act out the visualization, the brain patterns that are occurring – the brain patterns uh, are exactly the same as you in the real event. So okay. it's like you're having a – you're doing a real presentation here in, according to your brain. So this is why visualization is so powerful. Now, here's what you So what, what about the do. people
0: who are like, I have to plan out everything I'm going to say first – because I know there's a lot of people who can't who, – like, they find it really hard to just start talking.
1: Just hold that off. Just hold that off. You can do a little bit of that, but if you're going to do that, do more audience analysis. Maybe think about some areas that you know you're going to have to talk about, but just do very little of that. Because, you know, in the end, we've got to start with the end in mind. I mean, Stephen Covey said that, but actors have been doing it for years because you go, okay, in the end, it's, it's a four-dimensional environment if you include time. I, I am going to be standing there on my feet talking to people and this and creating an atmosphere. If I start intellectually and in a linear way, uh, what'll happen is I'll get really into that. And then the day before I'll go, Oh, I better do a rehearsal. It, it's like one of my videos where I said, uh, you know, pe- two, two important things in doing a great performance is to care and not to care, but people get them around the wrong way. They care, they care too much in performance and not enough in rehearsal. And they think, Oh, I don't want to over rehearse because it'll, you know, it'll get um, dry or something like that. It's absolute crap. You're an actor. You're going to rehearse as much as you can because you know that every, every time you practice is going to get better, but you need to know how to rehearse. And so the big, the big key with this point that I'm trying to make eventually is that as you're visualizing and practicing, be that person you can imagine being. Be that person who's awesome. Be that person whose voice goes up and down and they use huge gestures and they, they, they're expressing themselves. You know, just imagine someone charismatic up on that stage and it's you, but it's you as a kid, maybe you, the expressiveness you had when you were seven. Like, so really exaggerate your emotions, your expressions in that, in that rehearsal process. Now, what, what happens then is if you do that for, say, depends when your presentation is, say, for a month, and you do that every day, like have that time out, and you do that every day, what will happen is you'll build up an emotion and muscle memory. Then just before you go on stage the day before, wear some AirPods, go for a walk and visualize the meeting, the meeting and just talk As you're walking along, make sure you don't go near any roads because you'll get sort of lost in your your talking. Imagine, imagine that thing, and just do it. Do it, you know, one more time before you go up there, and so that you get that imagination going. Now, then, when you go, actually stand up on stage, or you or you sit down in front of the the board, or whatever you're doing, you forget all that, right? You forget it all. You literally get it out, everything out of your head. Now, this is the little brave bit, right? Mm. You get. And you've, you've done your plans, right? In, in your rehearsals, by the way, you've worked out your plan and, and eventually sort of say 70% of the way through this rehearsal, you've done all the stuff you need to do, the slides and whatever you need to do. And, and you've structured it. So that I I sort of took that for granted, but at some point you do that, right? But you do it backwards, right? So you're, you're up there now. You're looking at people. Then you just connect because if, you know, there are three types of behaviors that great communicators have, commanding, they're commanding, they're connecting, and they're compelling, right? Let's say those three. Connect is the most important because if you're not connecting, it doesn't matter how commanding you are, it doesn't matter how persuasive you are, you are not communicating. So the the in the end of the day, when you're sitting, standing there, you need to look at people and connect. Now that's all you need to do.
0: So what's your number it, one tip for how to connect?
1: It's making eye contact. Okay. It's literally as simple as that. It's making eye contact because when you make eye contact, what happens is is this feedback loop between you and that other person happens, which brings out your voice, your expression, your behaviors, and it all just works. See, we, we've we got to remember that our body works. We don't need to go and, you know, learn particular gestures from Google or uh, TED Talks or how to do that's That's all sort of symptomatic. If you get the intention right, you look at someone and you're reassuring them, you're uplifting them, you're motivating them, you're exciting them, you're you're scaring them about what's, what's to come, or you, you have a strong intention, then that's where all your behaviors are going to stem from. And you'll be natural on stage. So you're not exaggerating anymore. You're literally just looking at people and you have an intention to connect. And what happens is that emotional and physical memory that you've practiced all those days will just happen.
0: Okay. So it sounds like you have to just Trust. Yeah. Like, like when you said the brave bit, you just have to trust yes. that it's in there, and you don't have to consciously like remember it all. You just trust that you've done the work, and it's in there.
1: Yes, that's right. You have to trust that it's in there, and you have to trust the process. That's what actors, so teachers always say to us in acting: trust the process. The process is the process of caring during rehearsal and being ready, and being in, in visualizing and emotionally practicing, not just practicing the words practicing emotions and movements and you just, you know, and and so that's the process. Trust that process. And what happens then is you don't have to be so brave because all you do is you turn up and you be yourself and you connect with people. All those things you practice will quietly come through because there's no other choice. That's what the brain's going to do. So actually what I'm saying here is you don't have to be so brave. You just have to be really good at the rehearsal process.
0: Ah, okay. Okay. Yep. You
1: see what I'm saying? Like yeah. you just have exaggerate in, in, in rehearsal, turn up and just be yourself and all that rehearsal will, will come to life. So you'll you'll literally become better and better, not through performance but through rehearsal.
0: And you're becoming that character. Like what you said yeah. with the muscle memory, you're becoming that character that you've rehearsed over and over again, just like what happened to you with Macbeth, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. So let's hope it's a good character. <laughs> let's hope it's a good character but yes you're becoming it's you know uh life performance you know at work is all about you know seeing being and becoming it's about seeing what's possible being observant around me it's about being in the moment it's about rather than what you need to what are you going to say to your kids is is important but who you need to be for them is even more important. So being yourself in the moment, being present, becoming is that we're always all all of us are always becoming. We never actually end up finally there. And so learning, being willing to take direction and learn, which believe it or not is a rare skill, is is your number one skill in 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 life, not just in communication. That's my absolutely.
0: Idea. And look, that ties into. You know, with with anything that we want to become and, and just understanding that we are full of potential, just like you said at the start. And yeah. that we can choose to become and continue to become any of these different characters.
1: Yep. That are inside us, that, that are that are who we are. We we so narrow down who we are. We we with you know, teenagers we get we get all shy, we cover up, we start doing a few things. We're the funny guy, we're the bully, we're the, this, we're that. And then we carry that through the university, it works for us. And then we live this we live this narrow habit. This habit we call us. We ca- habit you call me. This is me. This is who I am. But it's actually it's just a habit. And we need we what we actually need to do is break the habit of being me. Right? The me that you think you are because you are so much more.
0: A big thanks to Chris Morsley for sharing his wisdom and insights with us this week. You can follow him on Instagram. He's got awesome videos there with bite sized um, insights and tidbits. You can find him at Chris Morsley, exec coach, and he's also in TikTok at Chris, exec coach. I will put all the links on where to connect with Chris in the show notes at slash two nine one. If you enjoyed this episode, do share it with a colleague or maybe your boss, if you want to convince them to hire a trainer such as Chris or myself to support you and your team with building powerful communication and leadership skills. Thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you in two weeks time. I'm Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.